Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Story time. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at Burrow.com Acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I was a park ranger in Yosemite National Park, and I've always been fascinated by the vast and wild landscape that surrounded me. There's just something about the deep woods, the sound of the wind howling through the trees, and the mystery of what might be lurking in the shadows that always put me on edge. One day, I received a distress call from a group of campers who were lost deep in the woods. I was the closest ranger to their location, so I set out to find them. When I reached the campsite, I found the campers huddled together in fear. They told me that they had heard strange noises in the night, and that they were certain that something was stalking them. I started to investigate, and as I walked deeper into the woods, I heard a growl that sent chills down my spine. I knew that I was not alone, and I also knew that I was dealing with something much larger and more dangerous than a mere bear. I soon realized that I was being followed by a Bigfoot, a cryptid that had been rumored to exist in the Yosemite wilderness for centuries. I tried to run, 
but the Bigfoot was too fast and too powerful. It caught up to me, and I was thrown to the ground with a violent force. I was sure that I was going to die, but somehow I managed to get back to my feet and fight back. I was able to use my park ranger training to fend off the Bigfoot, but it was a close call. I stumbled back to the campsite, where the campers were still huddled together in fear. I told them what had happened, and they were shocked. They didn't believe me at first, but when they saw the damage to my uniform and the terror in my eyes, they knew that I was telling the truth. We eventually made it back to civilization, but I was haunted by the encounter for months. I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched, and I was constantly on edge. I was also consumed by the mystery of what I had encountered in the Yosemite wilderness. I was a park ranger in Yosemite National Park, and I've always been fascinated by the vast and wild landscape that surrounded me. There's just something about the deep woods, the sound of the wind howling through the trees, and the mystery of what might be lurking in the shadows that always put me on edge. One day, I received a distress call from a group of campers who were lost deep in the woods. I was the closest ranger to their location, so I set out to find them. When I reached the campsite, I found the campers huddled together in fear. They told me that they had heard strange noises in the night, and that they were certain that something was stalking them. I started to investigate, and as I walked deeper into the woods, I heard a growl that sent chills down my spine. I knew that I was not alone, and I also knew that I was dealing with something much larger and more dangerous than a mere bear. I soon realized that I was being followed by a Bigfoot, a cryptid that had been rumored to exist in the Yosemite wilderness for centuries. I tried to run, but the Bigfoot was too fast and too powerful. It caught up to me, and I was thrown to the ground with a violent force. I was sure that I was going to die, but somehow I managed to get back to my feet and fight back. I was able to use my park ranger training to fend off the Bigfoot, but it was a close call. I stumbled back to the campsite, where the campers were still huddled together in fear. I told them what had happened, and they were shocked. They didn't believe me at first, but when they saw the damage to my uniform and the terror in my eyes, they knew that I was telling the truth. We eventually made it back to civilization, but I was haunted by the encounter for months. I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched, and I was constantly on edge. I was also consumed by the mystery of what I had encountered in the Yosemite wilderness. I work as a child care professional and one of the kids that I look after had recently gotten into hiking. I decided to take him to a really cool trail in Salt Fork State Park. We were all set to hike to Hosack's cave after parking right near the beginning of the trailhead. The entire trail is about a half of a mile, which is why I chose this trail for our hike that day. I also chose this trail because any time that I had been on it before, it was very busy and full of people and a very popular spot which made me feel secure. However, this past summer we had a cluster of several summer storms which caused massive damage to the trail, so to my surprise it was much more difficult and completely empty. I wasn't bothered by the trail being obviously empty because there was a small construction crew working on a bridge that was just barely visible from the trailhead. He was still up for the hike, despite the entire width of the trail being washed out until it was no more than a foot wide with a 6 to 12 foot drop off into a creek bed that is solid rock and several trees down. He is very athletic and I was confident in his abilities if he was and he was so excited to tackle our adventure. We made it all the way to a platform that allows you to see the entire cave. There were many down trees surrounding the platform and it was actually closed at this point, but we had made it this far so we decided to maneuver around the platform and proceeded the few hundred feet into the cave. We spent the most time in this area due to the difficulty, so I know exactly what it looked like. There were tree roots directly under the platform and you could climb down either side of them. It is also worth noting that Hosack's cave is much more like a cliff with an overhanging rock formation and a trickle of a waterfall directly in the middle, it is not a creepy closed up cave. It is very open and beautiful. 
We got to the cave and I noticed a candle that was not burning recently but had been at some point sitting on a large rock that had a heart carved into it. I chalked it up to someone having a date or something and disregarded it. He wanted to climb to the top, where I noticed two more candles and three stacks of small rocks that had been stacked up by somebody. I definitely felt weird at this point but it was about this time that he found a small puddle full of baby salamanders and wanted to catch them. It was the happiest that I had seen him in a very long time and I didn't have the heart to tell him that it was time to go. We spent about an hour catching baby salamanders and I watched him have the time of his life. We finally decided to leave and when we got to the platform, dead center in the middle of the tree roots was a wet washcloth hanging that was absolutely not there before. He noticed it as well but did not pick up on the severity of the situation that we were in. At that moment I factually knew two things. One, someone was watching us and we did not see them and two, they were now potentially hiding in the woods and made it a point to not be seen but to leave an object to be noticed. There was no running back with the narrow trail and I was not about to tell him that we were in potential danger. I told him to go in front of me and I just kept encouraging him that he was doing great over and over and that seemed to speed him up naturally. I never saw anyone while we were on the trail. We got to the car and I locked the doors immediately. On our way out of the park a very dirty man probably in his 30s came out of the woods and made it a point to stare at me with the most empty of expressions that I have ever seen. The man followed me with his eyes and head as I drove by him and continued to stare at me until I couldn't see him anymore. I knew the third fact at that point. He made it a point to make himself apparent to me and that facts 1 and 2 were true. That stare stuck with me for days, and I considered counseling after this as it bothered me for several weeks causing me severe anxiety. I'd try to tell myself that maybe we just interrupted his bath time and he was camping and didn't want to startle us. After all the crazy looking man had ample time to do anything that he wanted while we were catching salamanders. I just cannot in any way rationalize why he stared into my eyes the way that he did if he wanted to go unnoticed. Deep down I know that it is much more likely that it was a deliberate action intended to scare me. He never had any idea how panicked I was and to this day, it is the most fun that I have ever seen him have. He brings it up regularly and it was a very positive experience for him. It was one of my worst experiences ever, and it made me feel so sick and disturbed. I'm not really into the paranormal, but I had an experience about 10 years ago that I've never been able to explain. I want to ask this forum's opinion. It was fall of 2006 or 2007. I was making the two-hour drive home from university along rural county roads in northern Minnesota. The roads along this route are paved and ditches are well-maintained. The land just off the right-of-way is forested. For anybody curious this was on County Road 58 near 2 Inlets, Minnesota. I was in a section of roadway with nice long winding turns. Very fun driving. It was just dark enough at this time to need headlights to see. As I came around one of these winding turns the beam of my headlights caught a humanoid figure standing in the long grass in the ditch, maybe 50 feet in front of my car. As my car turned and my lights shone on it. The thing strode gracefully but quickly the 20 or 30 feet into the woods just off the right of way. This thing was at least 7 feet tall, taller than a normal man, but standing naturally erect, definitely not an animal on its hind legs. It was gray, with no hair, and very thin, thin enough to see joints. Similar, from what I could tell, from a stereotypical gray alien type figure. It walked so quickly and gracefully, I've never seen anything like it. Wildlife typical to that area are bear, deer, rabbits, the occasional wolf, but I can't think of anything that explains what I saw. After I saw the thing, I contemplated turning the car around to have another look or maybe find some tracks, but I was in full-on freak-out mode so I just kept driving. I was pretty shaken up when I made it home. Does this forum have any ideas what I might have seen? or imagine that I saw? I'll state for the record that I am a Christian, and I've tended to wonder if I saw some kind of demon or evil spirit. From the feeling it gave me, 
I certainly don't feel like I saw an angel. In May 2009 I had just broken up with my girlfriend of almost three years. We had moved from Calgary to Toronto, and were still stuck living together after the breakup as we didn't know many people in the city yet. Needless to say the situation was pretty stressful and upsetting. So when a buddy I was going to school with at the time suggested a weekend camping slash fishing trip, I jumped at the chance. He grew up in an area about an hour outside of Toronto called Flamborough. It's really beautiful. Loads of lush forest, farmers fields and small rivers and creeks. We decided to camp and fish along a creek called Grindstone Creek. It's close to some wetlands and the fishing is supposed to be great. We ended up setting up our camp in what was probably a farmer's field, I'm guessing it was trespassing on our part, bordered by a gorgeous forest. We spent the evening fishing, shooting the shit, and drinking some quality craft beers. As it got darker we made a little fire and roasted potatoes and hot dogs. All in all it was a really good night. We turned in just after midnight, we shared a tent. My buddy fell asleep before me and I stayed up playing on my phone until probably around 1.30. I must have drifted off because the next thing I remember was being woken up by a high-pitched yipping type noise. I was kind of groggy and it took me a moment to fully wake up. The yipping was incessant and it sounded like a weird coyote. I laid there for a moment listening and then started playing on my phone again. The noise was annoying as hell. I tried ignoring it but it sounded like it was getting closer. Finally it sounded like it had to be no more than 10 feet from the tent. At this point I was getting a little unsettled. I had seen coyotes in Calgary before and I thought of them as pretty harmless. They never looked much bigger than a smallish dog. But what if this one was rabbit or something? What if it could smell our food? I have a pretty bad anxiety disorder so I'm prone to worrying about these types of things. I nudged my buddy to see if he was awake, and he was, the noise woke him up too. We discussed what to do about the coyote, as we hadn't brought anything to scare off critters. Not a BB gun, nothing. Finally he decided he would shine the flashlight on it, and holler a lot, hopefully scaring him off. He unzipped the tent and I watched him pointing the flashlight out into the darkness. I'll never forget what happened next. His legs suddenly went all wobbly and he sort of stumbled backwards into the tent. He had a really dumbfounded look on his face when he looked at me and babbled it's not a coyote, it's a dude, it's some weird dude. Normally I would have thought he was messing with me, I'm a huge wimp and scare easily, I won't even watch horror movies, but I've never seen someone look that scared. And I never want to see that expression on someone's face again. So I knew he wasn't pulling my leg. The weird yipping and howling type noises were still going on and at retrospect. It really didn't sound like a coyote but I guess in our groggy states it was a way for our brains to make sense of it. Anyways he kept telling me just to look out the tent flap to make sure he's not crazy. At this point I was having a full-blown anxiety attack, my heart was racing, I felt like shit, but I had to look. So I slowly peeked out the flap and waited for my eyes to adjust and that's when I saw him. He was standing only a few arms lengths away from the tent. He was swaying a little, and wearing a baseball cap. What made it awful though, what was really creepy, was that he was wearing women's lingerie. That's when I knew there was most likely something very wrong with this guy, if the making high-pitched noises at a stranger's tent in the middle of the night didn't give it away. After I pulled my head back inside the tent my buddy and I discussed what to do. Finally we decided to yell at the guy to F off. My buddy started yelling excuse me can you F off? We're trying to sleep in here. The noise stopped. It was dead silent and that's when we heard footsteps running towards our tent. They stopped right outside the tent but we didn't waste any time, we started yelling again seriously F off. We have cell phones in here if you don't F off we're going to call the cops. With that we heard him walk by the tent and head off, sounded like he was moving towards the road. Needless to say we laid awake, petrified until the first sign of sunlight, then we high-tailed it the hell out of there. We discussed our experience on the way home, 
and were both pretty embarrassed about how scared we got. It definitely was not manly on either of our parts. I think because we were both ashamed of how we let some weirdo freak us out so much, we really haven't ever talked about it since that day. So there you go. There's my weird story. I'll always wonder what the hell that guy was doing out there, or what was wrong with him. Sometimes I wonder if things would have turned out differently if we were a couple girls. I'm not saying he was some serial killer but. Seemed like he was testing who was in the tent? Guess I'll never know. And for that I'm kind of glad. I want to preface this with the fact that I did not get a good look at what we encountered. I saw a glimpse and I don't want to make any assumptions on what it may or may not have been. Two of my friends and I used to be stationed at Fort Bliss in El Paso, Texas and we decided a Memorial Day camping weekend would be a good idea, so we took a trip up to Monjo Peak outside of Riadosa, New Mexico. We planned to stay for three nights, the first two of which were very relaxing. On our first day there when we were deciding where to set up our tent we found loads of bones from various animals, not mounded up or anything like they were collected just bones all around the campsite. The campsite had five places to pitch tents over about 300 square meters. We decided to pitch our tents on the highest point at the campsite, about 30-40 feet higher elevation than the parking lot shown in the map I've included to the bottom of my post. On the third night it was well after sunset when all noise from the woods died out. I'm not sure how long it was silent before me and my friends broached the subject, but it wasn't long after that that the hair on the back of my neck started to stand, followed by goosebumps all over. I could see my friends starting to get jittery and from one of the other campsites we heard their two dogs going absolutely apeshit. These were very relaxed and happy dogs for the last two days. We had also made decent acquaintances with the couple who had the dogs and they had lunch with us on day two. The other two groups that were camping at the same time had gone silent as well. The car was about 60 meters from our campsite and we unanimously decided to go get our guns, our 15s and 9s millimeter pistols. On our way back we started to smell a rotting, fetid stench. I don't know if anyone has ever had to burn feces before, but it smelled like that mixed with death. It was cloying and felt like it was almost physical it was so strong. We got back to our campsite, and decided to post guard all through the night. One man up and two asleep, or at least resting. I volunteered for the first shift because I knew I wasn't getting any rest at all. We had plenty of firewood for the night, especially because we were leaving the next morning. I kept the fire blazing as much as I could because I figured that if it was some sort of animal it wouldn't be too interested in messing with me. I kept my back to the fire so I could maintain good night vision. As you can see and on the maps the forest to the southwest of our campsite was pretty burnt out, but what you can't see very well is the elevation change. Once you got into the tree line it was very steep, not impassable by any means, but not somewhere you need to be walking at night. Behind the trees I notices a stark white shape. I shouldered my rifle and it didn't move at all. I assumed it was a tree partially hidden tree behind another one. I started scanning the tree line with a flashlight because I felt the stench was stronger than it was before. As my beam passed over what I thought was the obscured tree I saw I shine from the white shape, as soon as I registered what I was seeing it disappeared behind the tree. I debated investigating but instead just roused my friends, and we scanned together. When my shift ended I took off my rain fly on my tent so I could see out if needed. I didn't see anything on my next shift, just the smell. In the morning, just before dawn broke the smell seemed to recede but only so much, almost like it left a scent as a warning was the impression that I got. We broke camp and started packing up, about halfway through our breakdown we saw the other three groups packing up as well. I went over and talked to the couple with the dogs, asking them if they saw anything last night or if their dogs calmed down after the barking stopped. They told me that even when they stopped barking the dogs didn't sleep. They spent the night whining and growling in the direction of the hill to the southwest.
No one would ever believe me. But I want to share this story because I talked about it yesterday for the first time. I'm sorry for any typos you see, English is not my native language. I live in Northern Europe. My country is cold and covered by a large forest and several lakes. My family consists of mother, father and an older brother who is three years older than me. He's really important in the story, it's also important to know that my parents' house is in the middle of nowhere. Just forest around it. There aren't even proper roads or any street lights. The nearest neighbor lives really far away. In my country, winter comes early and lasts longer than summer, so the days are dark almost all year round. My father is a fireman and my mother is a nurse, so they have always been on night shifts. They have left me and my brother home alone since we were just toddlers. I don't know if it's even legal to leave us alone, but my brother has always been good at taking care of me. This particular evening was close to Christmas. Both of us were on winter break, but my brother still went to ice hockey practice. He was really tired that night after practice. Father and mother had gone to work at night and left us alone. I was 8 at the time and my brother was 11. We often slept next to each other downstairs in our parents' bed, but I decided to be a big girl that night and sleep in my own bed upstairs. I really just wanted to play my Nintendo and I knew my brother wouldn't let me. My brother was so tired after training and he just wanted to go to sleep. We ate, brushed our teeth and went to our rooms upstairs. My room faced the forest and his room faced the only dirt road. There is a hall and a toilet between our rooms. My brother must have fallen asleep right away, but I played and played. I played for so long that I lost track of time. I was under my covers in case my brother came to scold me. I started to hear something outside. However, I didn't pay attention to it at first. I have lived all my life in the middle of the forest. You can hear voices from there all the time. The small noises, changed in a second. Someone started shouting, almost screaming. It sounded like a grown man who was wounded. I lifted my head from under the covers, startled, and listened for a moment. I called out my brother's name, but he didn't answer. I got up from my bed and ran to my brother's room. He slept soundly. I started rocking him awake. At the same time, I saw from his alarm clock that it was two in the morning. My brother woke up confused. Do you hear that? I asked in a whisper. My brother's eyes widened and all sleep vanished from his eyes. He sprang up. He didn't say anything. He walked towards my room. The shouting came from somewhere in the forest. We stood together in my room and stared out into the darkness. I think someone needs help, I said quietly, but my brother's expression didn't change. His face was like stone. No. No one needs the help of two kids. Besides, if he needed help, he would be screaming for help, my brother turned around. He was right. I heard no words, just a screaming. My brother walked downstairs and I ran after him. Our house has three doors. He tried each of them to make sure they were locked. He took our father's headlamp because it had the strongest light. Then he picked up the house phone, it was 2010, so not all the kids had their own phones, he made sure all the lights were off and took my hand. He started to lead us back upstairs. Then he stopped. The shouting had changed. It no longer sounded scared or needy for help. It sounded irritated, almost angry. Like it was annoyed that we didn't come out looking for it. My brother squeezed my hand and pulled me upstairs. He stared at my room for a moment before he pulled me into his room with him. He closed the door and sat behind his bed, pulling me into his arms. It was dark everywhere. My brother hadn't turned on the headlamp, but he had 112 ready on the phone, our country's emergency number. We sat there in silence. The sound had come closer until it was clearly behind the window of my room. We heard someone banging on my window. I started to sob. My brother stroked my head to calm me down, but it didn't help. I was so scared. The sound seemed to be coming closer and closer. It had climbed the fire escape under my window and was now traveling along the rain gutters towards my brother's window. Then it became quiet. 
It stopped screaming, but we could hear it clinging to the rain gutters to get closer to us. Then it was too quiet. My brother turned on the headlamp and pointed the light towards his window. Nothing. He turned off the light and waited a moment. Then he pointed the light at the window again. Nothing. He turned it off and waited. He pointed the light at the window. Nothing. He turned it off. Then there was a big crash. As if a big pile of snow had dripped from the roof down to the terrace. My brother flashed the light in the window. There was something on it. The kind of trace that is left when you breathe too close to the glass, in cold weather. There was a trace of mist on it. My brother immediately turned off the light. Whatever it was, it had fallen down because my brother's window has nothing to hold on to. We started hearing moaning. It sounded only partially human anymore. It sounded more like a bear. If you've ever heard the sound a bear makes when it's been shot, that is what it sounded like. But it had a touch of man. Then the voice became angry again it threw a full tantrum. It started hitting the wall of the house. I squeezed my eyes shut and pressed my head against my brother's shirt. It raged for a while, but started to whine and moan again. It no longer sounded human at all. I can't describe what it was like, but it didn't sound natural. My brother dropped the headlamp on the floor and hugged me tightly. We listened to the sound for quite a long time. I don't remember at what point I fell asleep, but I woke up in the morning. The beautiful morning sun reflected against the white snow. I was laying on my brother's bed and he was sitting next to me reading comics. He smiled. Had I been dreaming? I didn't have time to say anything when we heard the lock on the front door open. It was 9 o'clock. Dad had come home. My brother cheerfully jumped out of bed and ran to greet dad downstairs. Maybe I had a nightmare and went to sleep next to my brother. It doesn't sound impossible. Especially since my brother didn't mention it in the morning. I convinced myself that I had really seen a nightmare that felt real. I believed so for many, many years. However, that changed. My brother came to visit me yesterday. Nowadays I live in the capital of my country, far from my mother and father, because I go to university. My brother broke up with his long-term girlfriend and I promised that he could bunk in my place as long as he needed. We had a lot of fun. Just like old times. We drank some wine and watched a movie and just talked about everything. Then we started talking about a little deeper things, which usually happens after drinking wine. I turned to look out my window. Winter was coming and it was already dark. It brought back childhood memories. I told him about a dream I had when I was little, while looking at the street lamps outside. This darkness reminds me of when I had a nightmare as a child. I dreamed that someone screamed behind my window and I hid in your room with you. Wasn't I a strange girl? I laughed and turned to look at my brother. My brother is now 23. He is huge. He is into bodybuilding and has a blonde beard. He looks a bit like a viking, and I've never seen a look on him like that as an adult. He looked at me with big eyes. He was pale. Like he had seen a ghost. I freaked out a little. What? I asked awkwardly. You remember that? He asked. It got quiet. What do you mean? Wasn't it a dream? I was so confused. My brother looked really startled. As if I had digged up a memory from his mind that he wanted to forget. Answer me. I thought I had a nightmare, I was startled too. My brother shook his head I thought you wouldn't remember that. You were so little. I hoped you would forget. My brother looked at me blankly and told me his side of the story. He told how I had fallen asleep in his arms from exhaustion. He pushed me to his bed but didn't fall asleep himself. He sat by my side all night, like a guard dog. The morning had begun to dawn, the sound began to fade until it just disappeared. My brother still couldn't sleep. He decided to start reading comics to pass the time. In the morning, when father had come home, my brother had gone out to look for tracks, but since it had snowed all night and morning, 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Morning. All the tracks were covered. For the next week, my brother visited my room several times a night to make sure I was sleeping safely. We started talking more about what happened. Neither of us ever mentioned what happened to anyone. I asked him why he didn't call 112, but he just shook his head. Who would have believed me? He was right. It would have sounded like a prank invented by little boys. My brother also said he was annoyed that he didn't flash the light to the window sooner. He would have wanted to see what the creature looked like. I was just happy that I hadn't seen anything. I'm also happy to know I'm not crazy. It wasn't a dream. I have a witness. My brother experienced it too and he remembers it better than I do. No one else has to believe me. No one else would believe me. Of course, it's also possible that somehow we created the whole thing in our heads. We have no physical evidence of what happened. And it happened years ago. It's very possible that we were just kids with overactive imaginations. I'm certainly not denying that possibility. However, I'm interested to know if anyone else has experienced something similar? And if you have, did you see it? That creature? And if you did, what did it look like? Okay so I'm really happy to share this experience. My family and friends know all about this but I've never shared it with anyone who may have experienced the same or similar. This happened when I was 11 or 12 around 2005-2006-ish in semi-rural Arkansas. The house we lived in sat on about an acre of land. It was a small house so it was basically nestled in the corner, to the right of the house was a huge wooded area and to the left was the rest of our land and then a dirt road. Our land was flat and bare aside from a few dinky trees. This wooded area was pretty big and went back a few miles, but it was private property and there was actually an abandoned slaughterhouse and the remnants of a burned down house that were visible from our house. This isn't particularly relevant but the place was just odd in general. It just felt mystical and special and I've had a few odd experiences there. Anyways, my encounter happened one spring evening. I was in 6th grade. I was angsty and was mad at my parents for some reason so I went out to blow off some steam on our trampoline. The trampoline sat sort of in the middle of our land closer to the dirt road than the woods. The sky looked breathtaking out where we were and the moon was big and beautiful and bright that night. So I'm laying on the trampoline, and other than the moon there isn't any light aside from the porch light which is a ways behind me. All of the sudden I vaguely see something move. It's coming from the lot across from the dirt road, and it's coming towards me. We had a Boston Terrier at the time and at first I figured it was him. But as it got closer I knew that's not what it was. It was sickly pale. It walked on all fours with its hands but seemed to be able to walk upright. It's kind of galloping towards me on all fours and it's a little bit a ways at this point but getting closer. The light bounced off of its skin and it almost seemed to look wet. Its gait and color is pretty clear to me but I don't remember anything distinct about its face except that it just seems to be whitewashed to me. 
It's happening so fast and now it is right near me still running and then I can't see it. It's under the trampoline. And then I feel it, I feel it push up on the trampoline. I didn't even bother to look back as I ran to the house. I don't remember my thought process at all past that point but my mom has told me that I came in the house hollering and absolutely terrified. I've thought about this consistently over the years and as I've gotten older have seen stories of similar creatures. I used to describe it as looking like Gollum from the LOTR, and then in 2008 or so I saw an article with the Louisiana hunting cam creature and I would say that is strikingly similar to what I saw. I think of the creature kind of fondly in a way. It would never have occurred to me at the time but it almost had a playful vibe to it, and it makes me sad to think that it's just some lonely but semi-intelligent creature. Maybe a grotesque experiment or some off-kilter evolutionary line. I don't think that's impossible. I guess I like to let my imagination run wild with it though. I will always be curious about this and the place in general. Thanks for reading. I, 24 male, have been backpacking my whole life and am very comfortable in secluded places. About a year ago I went on a two-night trip with some friends in the southwestern US. We arrived at the trailhead late afternoon and decided to camp about one quarter mile up the trail at a small area with three tent sites. Next to our site was a barren stream with a small hill, at the top you could see the silhouette of a little cottage. After getting set up and eating dinner we cracked a few cold ones and sat around the fire as per usual. A little time passed and we hear some activity coming from where the cabin is. At first it was just the chatter of voices but soon changed into some sort of group laughter, almost as a chant. It was a very forced laugh with several people in unison which lasted maybe 5-10 seconds, pause, and again. At first we assumed someone cracked a good joke at the cabin but after 30 minutes or so it became very weird. At this point it is quite late probably around 11pm and we decided we had to find out what was going on. We crept across the barren river and up the hill almost to the crest, where we peered over. We were able to make out about 20 people sitting in a circle laughing in rhythm with one another. I want to make it clear it was a very creepy laugh, not the natural type, more of a hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Anyways we head back to our site and write it off as some weird shit but probably nothing to be worried about. Before sleeping we went down to where we parked and sparked up a joint. Out from the woods comes two guys, seemingly from the direction the cabin was in. One of my friends goes hey, were you guys at the cabin up there? And the individuals respond yes. My friend continues, what were you guys doing up there? And the guy responds it was a Native American celebration for the full moon, it was not a full moon. Finally my friend asks, how do you get involved with that? And the guy responds, you can sign up online. It only costs $50 and includes a dinner. The two individuals drove off and we returned to our campsite laughing about the whole situation. All in all it was definitely a bit strange but nothing serious. Also, I took a video of the laughter when we approached, if people want to check it out let me know and I'll attach it to this post. I'm a truck driver and I was heading east on I-80 up through to Illinois. I had stayed the night, well, the afternoon in Des Moines to get some sleep and I got a fresh 8 hours of sleep and I had just got on the road. It was about dusk and the sun was just about to set and I was driving and I seen a figure just ahead of me on I-80 and it was right on the side of the road. When I say right on the side of the road, I don't mean in the grass. Its toes were right on the white line. I slowed down a little bit to kind of see what was going on there and maybe avoid it. When I got about 50 yards from it, I got down to about 50 miles per hour and I could see it clear. I had my brights on and everything. It was a man. Well, it looked like a man about maybe 5 feet 9 or 5 feet 10. Couldn't have been more than 100 pounds soaking wet. And when I got up to him he looked at me and George the first kid you not, he had no eyes no mouth, no nostrils. There was no orifice on his face. He was pale white. No hair. No features whatsoever. There was a 
It looked like a skeleton with bleached white skin. He was just kind of standing there looking right at me. I slowed down and as soon as I seen his face, he looked up at me, boy, I flipped the hammer down from Illinois all the way to Chicago. I never looked back. My blood ran cold. My hair stood up. I was one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen in my life. So I dated someone who owned a cadaver dog, basically they can find dead bodies, it was a new term to me when I met them, anyways, they explained that they worked with rescue teams, we live in wilderness country, dog's job was to sniff out bodies for people who might have gotten lost and died, buried under avalanches, etc. After five months of dating, my, now, ex asked if I could house slash dog sit. Was more than happy to. Great dog. Would be dog sitting for two weeks while they visited family. I was warned it has happened on hikes before that the dog picks up the scent of a corpse and gave me the steps to follow if it happens. First couple of days. Pretty uneventful. Then one day the dog is dragging me down this trail and I am panicking because I was like oh shoot am I going to see a dead body? But the dog stops at this very stern woman. Just sauntering along. He keeps looking back and forth between me and the woman. She gives me a quick your dog isn't well trained and keeps dog. I had to drag him away. It happens with this same woman a few more times. So I call the owner to bring it up. I describe the woman and my ex is so shocked and confused. Not familiar with the woman fast forward to my last night dog sitting. I was going to bed and had this horrific nightmare of being held down in the bed by the woman. I hear a bark and wake up. The dog is standing next to me on the bed. In its alert position staring at the bed. I didn't get any sleep. Never got an answer. Growing up in the mountains of North Georgia, camping and hiking were things me and my brother did so often it was second nature. So anytime Ryan and I had a break from school we would head straight for the woods. We packed our gear, let our parents know where we were going and that was that, no questions asked. We decided to camp about midways through Jack's River Trail in the Cahutta Wilderness and it's a trail we knew fairly well as we had used to a few times before to practice long hikes. We arrived at the trailhead around lunchtime, parked the car, got our gear out, and headed into the woods. We passed a few hikers as moved along and asked them how the trail looked and the answer was always the same, wet. Jack's River Trail probably crossed the river 50 times as it went along its 17 mile plus journey and with the colder temperatures of late fall settling in it was harder for the trail to stay dry. We moved deeper into the trail and started to look for a place to make camp. This is where Ryan and I made our first mistake. You see, Ryan and I have this rule. We don't camp near people if at all possible. Call us paranoid but the last thing we want is for someone to drag us out of our tents and into the woods never to be seen again. So we always camped a pretty decent ways off of the trail and in the area that wasn't popular with overnight camping. Roughly two and a half hours or so we found what we thought was the perfect place to set up for the two nights that we would be out. We came up to Horseshoe Bend and ventured about half a mile off the trail into a clearing and set up. We built a teepee fire lay for that night and pitched our tents on either side. After setting up and unloading we decided to walk back to the trail and go exploring around some of many swimming holes Jack's River had to offer. This was during Thanksgiving break and I remember being surprised at how few people were on the trail. Maybe it was the weather or the fact that this was early in the week but there didn't seem to be anyone hiking much less staying the night. Around 5 o'clock Ryan and I headed back to camp to start our fire, make dinner, and settle in for the night. As soon as the sun began to set the cold rushed in. We added more wood to the fire, sat close and just enjoyed conversation. Ryan was two years behind me in school. I was a senior and he was a sophomore but growing up we had always been close. We always hung out in the same groups, played the same sports, had the same hobbies, etc. Around 9 we were settled comfortably around the fire. 
I had just text our mom to let her know we were safe and getting ready for bed and I remember we were talking about dreading going to our grandparents house for Thanksgiving and having the same awkward conversations we had each year with family we only saw on holidays when things started to get strange. We were no stranger to sounds in the woods and these woods were full of animals, from deer to black bears and even the random wild boar. If you are in the woods enough you learn to distinguish certain sounds and what we are hearing I can only chalk up to as odd. What Ryan and I heard was what sounded like someone sneaking around slowly just out of eyesight. With an animal walking on four legs you hear a tighter group of steps but what we are hearing sound very distinct to what a human sounds like when walking slowly or trying to move without making much sound. I remember we both pulled out our flashlights and shone it in the direction we felt the sounds were coming from but that is what was so weird. Whenever we would fix our lights on a spot we thought the sound were coming from the location of the sound would suddenly change. It was as if there were multiple people walking around us. That's when the whistling started. At first I thought it was the wind and I remember thinking maybe the wind is just throwing leaves around and what we are hearing is nothing but the wilderness around us. Ryan looked at me and asked if I was hearing that. I didn't answer and was trying to focus hard on each individual sound. Two consecutive notes with roughly a 3-4 to four second gap and then two more consecutive notes. Over and over again. Ryan kept asking if I heard that and I put my finger to my lips trying to keep him from talking. The fear I felt was incredible. My jaw was tight, my fist clenched, knowing I wasn't ready for whatever was out there if it was anything at all. The whistling continued for what felt like forever but thinking it through was maybe 5 minutes when Ryan finally yelled out into the darkness. Hey! Quiet! The whistling stopped. The crunching of the wood stopped. Nothing. I was pissed. I looked at Ryan with a what the hell look and he shrugged his shoulders. I had to do something, he said. I just shook my head. We sat there in silence for a few minutes when the woods erupted with noise. Something or someone was running in a circle around our campsite. The whistling came back. Two consecutive notes with the same 3-4 to four second gap and then two more consecutive notes. How could someone whistle this loudly without cracking while also running? I was done. I stood up shining my flashlight in all directions trying to catch a glimpse of whatever was screwing with us. Nothing. It felt close enough to touch but we never saw a thing. That's when the movement stopped but the whistling was still constant. It was so loud. Inhumanly loud. I looked at Ryan and told him to call the police. Now this is the part I will never forget. The part I never like to talk about. While Ryan was on the phone with the dispatcher and telling them our location and what was going on I stepped around the fire towards my tent. Inside my bag I had a 6-inch fixed blade that I always carried and thought I would feel a bit more comfortable with it in my hand more than just my flashlight. As I went to unzip my tent, trying to keep my eyes toward the woods, I heard some movement directly in front of me. I swept my light up in front of me and for maybe 2 seconds I saw it. Whatever this person or thing was, it was about 5 feet up in a tree. Everything about it was long. Its arms, legs, neck, fingers, everything. And it was fast. As soon as the light hit it launched backwards off of the tree. I heard it land but it either jumped an impossible distance or landed in a thicket because I heard it but never saw. I don't think I have ever yelled so loud. I ran back to where Ryan was and sat down. He kept asking me what I saw but I couldn't answer. I just kept thinking about what I saw. Maybe 10 minutes later we saw a couple of flashlight beams coming through the woods and about 3 guys came into view asking if everything was okay. I settled a bit and started asking them if they had seen or heard anything. All they said was they heard a lot of movement and then heard my scream and that's when they headed in our direction. I tried to explain what had happened without sounding crazy but it didn't seem to work. One of the guys walked around a bit and came back and said he didn't see anything. Ryan told them that we called the police and roughly 30 minutes later a park ranger showed up. Ryan and I tried explaining everything to him but he just chalked it up to either a curious animal or some campers trying to mess with us. Either way Ryan and I decided we weren't staying the night. 
We packed our stuff up and walked out of the woods with the ranger. He took our statement and we got in our car and drove home. Ryan and I don't talk about what happened that night but neither of us have been back to Jack's River Trail and will probably never go back. I've had a few unsettling experiences in the woods, but this is unquestionably the strangest one. I've been mulling it over for years and still can't come up with a rational explanation. A few details have been changed to protect my identity, but the story is 100% true. I apologize for how long it is. In 2018, my partner and I drove up to a national forest in Oregon for a day hike in early summer. The area was somewhat remote, but nothing too isolated. Hiking is huge in the Pacific Northwest, so there are plenty of other people on these trails at any given time, especially during peak season. Because of this, we chose a less popular trail in the hopes of getting some alone time. It was an approximately 6 mile out and back moderate difficulty hike with a waterfall at the end. It followed a river and didn't intersect with any other trails. Simple enough, right? We were both experienced hikers in good physical condition, so we had no reason to think we needed anything but day packs with a couple liters of water and sandwiches. Getting back before dark should have been a piece of cake. We set out sometime after noon. At first, we took it slow and meandered around the riverbank for a few minutes. I found a cool animal bone and we mused over what it might be. It was clearly a vertebra from a large mammal, so we guessed it was probably a deer bone. Because I'm a little morbid and like collecting things of that nature, I put it in my pack. That might not have anything to do with what happened next but I feel like I should mention it since it was out of the ordinary. The hike to the waterfall was beautiful. We passed a few other people on their way back to the trailhead, but for the most part, we had the place to ourselves. We stopped a few times to look at wildlife or take photos of flowers. I was tracking our progress on my Fitbit, so I always knew how many miles we'd traveled and how much time we had before sunset. We reached the waterfall at about 3.2 miles, which matched what the map had said. I paused my watch and we settled on a large boulder to rest and eat our lunch. Another young couple was there with their dog. We said hello and then minded our own business. Here's where everything went wrong. As we packed up our stuff and prepared to leave, my partner, Michael, slipped off the boulder and twisted his ankle badly. The other couple heard his surprised scream as he splashed into the water, so they rushed over to help. The three of us hauled him back to dry land and assessed the injury. None of us were doctors, but we thought it was a sprain. The swelling had already begun and Michael said the pain was serious. He could barely stand. Upon realizing this, the male half of the couple started backing away and seemed anxious to leave. I asked him if he could go get help, but he didn't respond. Neither did his wife. They both just turned around and started booking it up the trail with the dog trotting behind them. I called out to them in frustration, but they didn't look back. Needless to say, we didn't have cell service that deep in the woods, so we couldn't contact anyone else. We had to hike back. It'll be okay, I said to Michael. It's only three miles. You can do this. We shifted the water bottles and our modest amount of gear into my pack so he wouldn't have to carry anything and made decent progress. I was still tracking the hike on my Fitbit. After about 2 miles, Michael ran out of steam and we rested again. I told him to lean on me to take the weight off his injured ankle. Even though I'm a head shorter than him, it seemed to help. We're almost there, I said. Just one more mile. Despite the setback, we were in pretty high spirits. The sun was still up and the woods were still beautiful. We made light of our predicament. Michael joked that he can't do anything without getting hurt or breaking something, and I comforted him. We both thought the ordeal was nearly over. Eventually I realized we'd been walking longer than expected. I assumed it only felt that way because we were moving at a slower pace, but when I checked my watch and saw that we'd gone farther than a mile, I started to worry. We were at 6.6 .6 miles total. That meant the walk back to the trailhead was longer than the walk to the waterfall. 
That couldn't be right, but I figured I must have made a mistake at some point. Maybe I hadn't started the tracker until we'd already traveled a ways at the beginning? Regardless, the parking lot had to be around the next curve in the trail. But it wasn't. We went another half a mile or so before stopping to assess the situation. Over seven total miles and we still weren't back. What the hell? I checked the map of our hike on the Fitbit app and saw that there weren't any gaps. It was a straight line from beginning to end, with the line doubled back on itself, indicating that we were on the same route. But where was the trailhead? We talked it over and concluded that it had to be a glitch. Michael was adamant that we hadn't passed the trailhead, and we couldn't have taken a wrong turn, because there were no other trails. Plus, the scenery was all familiar. We saw things we remembered passing on our way to the waterfall. It was definitely the same trail, and well-maintained too. A big, wide dirt track that followed the river and didn't veer off into the undergrowth. Losing the trail was impossible. At that point, we started to feel demoralized, but what could we do except keep going? Our phone still didn't have service. Michael was in a lot of pain and struggled to put weight on his sprained ankle. It was twice the size of his other ankle. He was sweating. I was sweating. The whole thing started to feel like a nightmare. When we went another mile and still didn't reach the trailhead, we panicked. Night falls quickly in the forest and we had little daylight left. We were almost out of water, had no rain gear or other food, and the only flashlights were the ones on our phones. Of course we cursed ourselves for not bringing more supplies, but we were only supposed to be out there for a few hours. It was just a short day hike, and we had no idea how it could have gone so wrong. Out of desperation, I yelled for help. We'd seen no people since that strange couple had abandoned us near the waterfall, but I was sure that we had to be close to the parking lot. That didn't mean there was anyone there, but we were both so freaked out, I was willing to make a fool of myself if it meant rescue. To our dismay, nobody answered. We were alone. In an attempt to get a grip, we reasoned that maybe we really had passed the trailhead we started at. Maybe we were so focused on keeping Michael off his bad foot that we'd simply missed it and were hiking toward the next trailhead. We were pretty sure that wasn't the case, but it was the only explanation that made sense. We were definitely still on the same trail, and though we couldn't be certain, it seemed like the landscape had changed. We no longer recognized any of the landmarks, except the river, and that seemed to support our theory that we'd gone too far. We knew we weren't walking in circles. That wasn't possible. Should we turn back? We mulled that over for a few minutes. If we were wrong, backtracking would guarantee spending a night in the woods. Michael couldn't deal with that ankle forever. We decided to press onward. I'm not crazy, right? I asked. That initial hike was only three miles. We went three miles to the waterfall. Yes, Michael agreed. The entire hike was supposed to be a little over six miles out and back. We've walked a lot farther than that. We should have gotten back a long time ago. I don't understand what's happening. When night fell, we picked up the pace. Michael stopped leaning on me and limped down the trail as fast as he could. He later said adrenaline dulled the pain of his injury and gave him the motivation to continue. That part of Oregon is mountain lion country, and I just read about a lion attack a few weeks prior to our hike. Being caught out there in the dark was the absolute last thing we wanted, but there was nothing we could do about it. We were scared. Michael shone his phone light on the path ahead to make sure we didn't lose our footing, and I shone mine at the trees, scanning for cat eyes. I was crying. Fitbit said we'd hiked 9 total miles. After 9.5 miles, we finally saw the sign for the trailhead and scrambled toward it. Relief didn't completely wash over me, though, because I expected we'd have to either hitchhike back to where we started, or trudge along the side of the road for a few miles more. There was simply no way this could be the trailhead. It was three miles past where it should have been. As we climbed the short set of steps up to the parking lot, sweaty, thirsty, exhausted, and completely unnerved, I hoped to see a car. My prayers were answered, but. 
It was my car. We were at the same trailhead. For a moment, Michael and I stared in shock. Our fear and misery were replaced by sheer confusion and we just stood there. Then a twig snapped somewhere in the woods behind us and broke the spell. We hurried across the parking lot towards the car, and in those few seconds, I felt an intense dread. The best way I can describe it is the feeling you get in a nightmare when something is pursuing you and you're trying to run away but moving in slow motion. Like your legs just won't cooperate and you know the thing chasing you is going to catch up. This is the only time in my life I've ever felt that way outside of a dream. We managed to pile into the vehicle and peel out of the lot. I was shaking. Michael was rambling about time distortion and dehydration and how we must have lost our bearings somehow. We got out of the national forest and onto the highway, and it was a while before we encountered any other cars. I didn't fully relax until we made it back to civilization. Neither of us can figure out exactly what we experienced. Michael was on crutches for months following that incident and his ankle has never been the same. I still have the bone I found, but I keep it in a box because it gives me bad vibes. When we go hiking these days, we stick to the crowded trails. Whatever happened that day, we do not want it to ever happen again. A few years ago a friend and I were camping near Squamish Valley River, it's usually a pretty busy spot but it was a weekday and we didn't see anybody at all on the road to the spot, and there was no one camped at the spot, so it was just us. Anyways we were sitting out by the river on the sand watching the stars before bed, the moon was full and it was following the mountain line as the night went on and suddenly we both saw this bright bright flash in the sky, it almost looked like daylight for a second. I have no idea what it could have been, I thought maybe a shooting star out of the corner of our eye? But it was so bright and literally lit up everything. Still a mystery to us.